Hey, if you want to grab a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And this is what I want to do today. Typically, we read the whole passage. Uh, today, just due to time, I want to jump into verse 9. So, Brian, if you're ready for that, we're going to jump just right into verse 9 and pick up the Lord's Prayer. And here's what we're going to do with that. If you want to grab a Bible, it's in there. If you want to take it out, we'll also put it up here for you. But, hey, one thing that's really important is it's so vital it's vital for us that we do have a Bible. I know we put it up there and we do that to, to serve you, but it's important that we have it, whether it's on your phone, someplace, that we're getting our eyes into God's word. I don't know about you, I think life is so high-paced, at least fast, busy, that this is one moment we can just say, okay, God, would you teach us and would we listen to you? So let's do that together. Jump into Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick it up in verse 9. You guys ready? You think you can read it with me? First time? We don't have to go through it once? I think you guys got this, but let's jump in it together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Oops. It's okay, my, my mic went out. That's what that was. For, I heard you start saying, for thine is the kingdom. That's actually not there, but that's okay, because that's part of the prayer. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to throw you guys off. No, it's, it's easy, isn't it, just to kind of jump into that? We just kind of jump into those phrases, and I know as we read that, forgive us our debts. Many of us are like, forgive us our trespasses. Because when something is so familiar in our minds and on our words, sometimes we don't think about it. And that's the challenge of going through a passage like this, is sometimes we don't think about what we're praying. And so last week we looked at thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That we're saying to God, would, God, would you get the attention, would you set the agenda? Father, would you take control? Now today, what we're going to do is look at that next phrase, which shifts us from focusing on God, because the Lord's Prayer is structured like the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments, Commandments 1 through 4, focus on God. Commandments 5 through 10, focus on us. Lord's Prayer works the same way. The first few phrases, they're focused on God. God, hallowed be your name, you're the Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, the rest of it begins to focus on us. So now we're shifting over. If God is the center, if God has my attention, if God is in control, if God's setting the agenda, if God's setting the rules, then I need some things. Father, give us this day our daily bread. And so today we're going to ask the question, what does that mean? And what it means in a sense, what we're going to look at, I'm going to structure it in four ways. I know I'm supposed to have three points, but I got four. I hope that's okay today. See, that's what they teach you in seminary. The first thing they teach you, you got to have three points. But today i got four. And here's what we're going to say. God, first of all, I need to get the Father. Because when we come to God for needs, often we come to him to get something. So I'm going to use the word get a lot. I need to get the Father. But before I ask, I need to get some perspective. And then after that, I forgot what the next one was. <laughs> and it's on your handout, and that's why I said that, right? It's actually in, your, in the bulletin. Get humility. And the final thing, if I can remember in my mind, you guys have it there. You know it. That's it. Get community. How's that? You guys confident I know what I'm doing today? 
get the Father. We want to get perspective, get humility, and then finally get community. I need to get in prayer right now and ask God to guide me. Hey, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that, um, Lord, I thank you the spiritual life is not something we can do. We can't engender, we can't create. That's why you've given us the Holy Spirit. You said to us, do not smother the Spirit. Instead, we're supposed to yield. And so in this moment, we yield to you. Father, through Jesus, we submit to you and we say, Father, teach us. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. May we hear your word, but Father, in hearing your word, would we hear your voice and would we respond? So Father, meet us here, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we need to do is to get, we need to get the Father. You know, one of the things that's interesting as you go through the Bible is God makes a lot of promises about what he wants to do for us. I mean, it's extravagant. In Scripture, God is constantly making promises to us about the ways he wants to provide for us. So let me give you some examples. First of all, in James uh, chapter 4, it says, You do not have because you don't ask. Psalm 84, no good thing does he withhold. Do you believe that? It's no good thing that God withholds. James chapter 1, verse 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. No good thing he withholds. He is a Father who is generous, who is watching over us, which means... If there's no good thing that God withholds, God is this Father who is eager to hear from us and to respond to us. Actually, in Isaiah chapter 65, uh, verse 24, it says, Before they call, I will answer. So before we say a word, he is eager to respond to our requests. Now, that's a generous, large picture of our Father. That the reason we don't have is, first of all, we don't ask. And God wants to give us all good things, and he is the father of the heavenly lights, which means he doesn't change. His attitude towards you doesn't change. He's generous all the time. Regardless of how we're living, he wants to be generous to us, and he wants to give us all good things. That's the father that we're approaching. Now, we need to be confident about that, because often in life, our experience may not line up with that, and that's a challenge. But that's why we're coming to him and saying, God, I have these needs, And the first thing that I need from you is to know that you're my father. And I need to know how to approach you. And I need to know that, Father, what you want for me is you want all good things. You know, it's interesting, as I was thinking this week and uh, walking through this myself, I was thinking about how my heart is connected to my kids. And I think for a parent, when you have that first child, it's like, okay, my heart has now no longer internal, it's external. And if my kids aren't happy, there's a sense in which I'm not really happy. If my kids aren't doing well, there's a sense in which I'm not doing well. When my kids are doing great, I don't know, I feel a lot better about life. Because I think as parents, your heart kind of goes outside of your body and it attaches itself to this other human being. And your happiness is kind of tied up to their happiness. Now, where does that come from? I think it comes, and I want to suggest it comes from being created in the image of God we're created in the image of God who is our Father who wants to give good gifts to his children. And here's the passage that illustrates that. You ready for this? It's in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, after the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching, he's saying, this is the heart of the Father towards you when you ask. You ready? 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be open. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now I almost hear God saying this to me, Jason. Do you want good, ki- good things for your kids? Do you want your boys to be happy? And when your kids come to you, and certainly when they come to you as a child, I, I don't know, my heart goes out to my kids when they're humble meaning when they know their status, they know their place, and they know they need me. And when my kids approach me and say, Dad, hey, you're the father, I'm the child, I need you, I'm excited. I'm ready to meet that request. And God's saying in this passage, if that's your heart towards your kid, why do you think the father, why do you think God has a different attitude towards you? Because which of us, if our kids came to us, hey, I want dinner, no, here's a stone, I mean, does that even make sense to us? Or, or, hey, Dad, this is what I want. This is what I need. I want to spend some time with you. No, I'm not really interested in that right now. And he's saying if we who are sinful, if we who have rejected the Father still love our kids, if that's how we respond, why do we not assume that God would respond the same way to us? Because, see, the fatherhood, the parenting that we have, the love we have for our kids, it ultimately comes from God the Father. And so before we pray, give us this day our daily bread, before we bring our needs, we need to remind ourselves of the Father that we're coming to. And that's why this prayer always starts, our Father. We're always beginning with the reality of this is who my Father is, and this is what he wants for me. He is good, and he wants to pour out generosity in my life. So that's the first thing we got to do. we got to get the Father. But second, we need to get some perspective. Because when we pray we often come with some assumptions. And how about you? If I've got a need in my life, that need is leading why I'm praying, which means I'm seeing God through my need, I'm seeing myself, I'm seeing why I'm praying through my need, and I'm seeing the results of what God does through what I think is best. And what he says is before we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we've got to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, that we first have to get some perspective about who God is. You know, one of the questions we need to ask as well is to say, hey, what is bread? You know, when you think of it, why bread? Well, I think if he was in an Asian context, Jesus would have prayed, our Father who art in heaven, uh, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily rice. Why does he use bread? Because in the Middle East, that was life. In some places today, he may say, give us this day our daily water. For many people, water is life. It's a precious commodity. Bread is not luxury. It's not excess. Bread means survival. What do I need to survive? And so we're not coming to God to get everything we want. We're not coming to God to make sure our life is, is the way we want it, but rather we're coming to God and saying, God, this is my need, and I'm dependent upon you to meet my need for life. 
You know, Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer back in the 1500s, he defined bread this way. He said it like this. Bread is everything that's necessary for the preservation of life, including food, a healthy body, house, home, wife, children. He's saying that God wants to meet our deepest needs. And really, that's what this prayer is about. That God knows that our needs will drive us to him and he invites us to come. The beauty of this prayer is he's saying, pray each day, God, uh, this is what I need to survive. This is where my health is. These are where my relationships are. This is where my job is. These are the essentials of life. And this is what I need. And he knows that need is going to drive us to him and he welcomes it. But the reality is he doesn't want us to stay there. Because again, if we're only coming to God to get things from God, then we're not coming to God, we are God. You kind of follow that logic? If we're coming to God to get things from God, not for God, then we're saying we're the center of life, God, not what you want, but what I want. And that's often why we get angry in prayer, because we're putting ourselves at the center, and we're not seeing ourselves as a child that's coming to the Father that knows better. And we say, God, this is a need, and he says, no, I, I know you think it is, but I see things I see things better than you. I know what's good for you. And sometimes that takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? Because I know many of you have walked through situations that what you walk through seem like absolutely, God, there's no other way to answer this prayer than to say yes, than to heal, than to provide. And yet maybe God did not provide that. And he's saying the first thing we gotta do is we gotta get perspective. God, I don't see clearly. I need to see things from your vantage point. I need to know that I'm a child and that often I don't know what I need. And so, Lord, I want to submit, first of all, that need to you and say, Father, I need to get some perspective. Now, notice this. If you, we didn't read it, but if you jump back into Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is describing how we pray and the attitude we bring in verses 7 and 8 of Matthew 6. He says it this way. And when you pray, he says, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles. For see, they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Then he says, don't be like them, and here's why. Your father knows what you need before you ask. So he's saying, God knows what you need. So the question becomes real obvious, why ask? I mean, God, you know what I need. Why don't you just give it to me? Well, because the intention of prayer, again, is not to bend God's will to yours. Otherwise, he'd just meet it. No, the intention of prayer is to bend your will to God's. It's not to come to God just to get something from God, though he welcomes us as children in that way. It's to come to God and realize what I need is God. It's to come to God, submitting my needs and saying, God, hey, I only see one way out of this, and here it is. This is my definition of good. God, I want it from you, and yet, more than that, I want to submit to you. And this is scary for me right now, God, because what I'm talking about is my wife's health. I'm talking about our finances. I'm talking about my kids. I'm talking about my future. And yet, God, you've told me over and over, you're the father of heavenly lights. You withhold no good thing. And if that's true, then whatever's coming, God, I want to trust that it's coming for you so that I might know you. The first thing after we know that God is our father is we got to get some clarity and perspective because we just don't see things well. And I know that about my relationships. When I have arguments with people, I don't see things well. Usually when I get in an argument, I make it worse. I'm trying to make it better. I'm trying to convince you that I'm right. Hey, this is, I know what's going on. I know what's happening. What happens? I can't even see well enough 
to understand what's going on in my life and my situations around me. And I'm trying to manipulate people in my life to get what I want. And I don't realize that's not going to lead to good things. And see, if I can't do that with our relationships, why do I think I know what I should have from God? We have to get a little perspective. But again, when we're getting that perspective, we're submitting to a God who's revealed himself as our Father. Second, we need to get, we need to get humbled. So we need to get God, we need to get some perspective, but we also we need some humility as we approach him. And that's what needs do. I think they reminds us that we, we're not in control. We go to him because we know we need something and we can't get it for ourselves. But the image, the language of give us this day, our daily bread, it comes not from a New Testament story, but an Old Testament. Because the New Testament is not an addendum, an add-on to the Old Testament. It's a consistent flowing story flowing out of the Old Testament into the New Now, it's challenging for us because we probably don't spend a lot of time in the old pages. That's why they're usually clean. If you look at somebody's Bible, those are the, the clean pages. It's the Old Testament. But the Old Testament is the backdrop, the story. It's the setting you could see on a stage of a play on which the New Testament plays itself out. And the story that give us this day our daily bread is rooted in is a story of the Israelites, God's people in the Old Testament, coming out of Egypt, and they're now in the wilderness. And wilderness means no food and water. It still means the same thing today. You're out in the wilderness desert. Uh, there's no food. There's no water. And God provided in, Gen- in Exodus 16 for his people. And so I want to pick that up, Exodus 16. And we see how the Israelites are walking through this time of need. And God is speaking to Moses, Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So here's the idea. Hey, guys, I want you to trust me. And so this is a test. Now, it's not a test for God to discover what's in your heart. It's a test for you to realize what's in your heart. God knows what's there. He knows what you need, but we deceive ourselves. And we say things like, I'm trusting in God. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I know the song. I grew up singing it. I'm resting in Jesus. But what happens when we have a need, so often we hold on to the things that we think are gonna solve that need. And God, as he's taking the Israelites through this challenging period in their life, he says, I'm gonna provide I'm going to give you each day our daily bread. And literally, that's what manna is. It was some form of bread, something that would appear. It would fall, it says. It would come down. And when they woke up, it was there. But here's the challenge. He said, don't take more than what that day needs. Don't take more, because if you do, what's going to happen? By the end of the day, it's going to rot. It's not going to be there. And what happens? What do we do? We always take more than what we need because we don't trust him. And the test becomes reality, and we see what's in our heart. We say, God, I really don't want you. I just want my needs met. And that's where we have to repent. That's what tests are about. It's not about God saying, hey, I wonder if Jason's gonna make it. 
you know, I, I hope he is. I hope this is gonna, no, he knows exactly what's coming, but see, I don't. And the other thing is, I don't know that he's sufficient. Now, my Sunday school teacher said he was, the Bible says he is, but my life hasn't experienced that. And so I've gotta go through tests and challenges in life, and I go, wow, God, you know, I try to do this on my own. I try to solve my own needs, but when I surrendered to you, you met the needs of my heart. You didn't meet my needs the way that I thought it should work out, but in the end, I found that you were sufficient. And that's what happened. But see, often what what happens in our lives is we don't wanna trust him. And so God may say to us, hey, I want you to be generous. And for me, that's not just generous with my finances. For me, that's actually not as difficult as being generous with my time. It's easy for me to write a check or to give something. It's very difficult. I'm kind of getting honest up here, you know what I mean? It's, it's difficult for me to sometimes be generous with my time, with my focus, with my energy, with my attention. And there's times where God says, I want you to direct your energy on this person. I want you to care for them. And you know what I say to myself? God, I'm tired. I don't have it. I can't serve. I can't give. I can't step into that. You know what he says to us? Trust me. I want you to trust me. There is something that's going on that you need to see. There's something about me that you need to rely on. And often what we do is we hold on to that stuff that we think we need. And that's the very stuff that God is saying, I need you to let go for me. And for many of us, that is finances. Thankfully, I grew up in a home, and I grew up in a kind of marginalized Christian home. We were Christian in that we went to church, but we really didn't talk a lot about Jesus. Did you grow up in that home? I mean, he was at the church, but he really wasn't in the house. And yet, one of the things I picked up was tithing. I watched my dad give, and I watched my grandfather give. There was this pattern in their life, and I rebelled, I rebelled against just about everything they taught me except for that. I don't know why. But as a young man, I used to, I would give. In high school, I used to give. In college, I used to give. But then I got married. And then I had these little hearts get attached to mine called children, And I looked at what I have and I said, God, I can't give. I can't do that. Don't you know what's coming? At that time, we lived in Boston and we had to buy a house. First house, not a good place to buy your first house. We had to buy our first house. And I said, God, there's no way I can afford this. We didn't make enough. Each one of us had three jobs. My wife had three, I had three. My grandfather lived with us. And so he brought his own income. And I said, God, we can't do this. And I can't continue to give. And he said, trust me, which meant give. This is what I'm asking you to do. Now, God didn't always say that at every time, but in that time he did. And here's the thing that I've seen in my life. When I let go of those things that were most important to me, God showed up in ways that provided for my needs. Now, I never got a wad of cash in the mail. I've heard people tell stories like that. Never happened to me. Love to see that. Never happened. But I'll tell you what did happen. We had a broken refrigerator. Somebody gave us one. And I was like, wow, we're about to run out and buy that. We had things break down, cars. I got, somebody gave us two cars. I've never heard of someone giving anyone a car. But during that period of time, the church gave us a car and someone else gave us a car. And I was absolutely amazed. And I I remember talking to my wife saying, why do we doubt him? And you know, the biggest year where I've seen God provide for me was last year. Because when we moved up here from Texas, Texas, Housing market is very kind to you. Anything under $100 a square foot, it seems like now it's, it's like free. This is amazing. And in Texas, our house was almost paid for. 
Our mortgage was so small. And I remember praying about coming up here and saying to my wife, we can't do it. I'll tell you why, because we can't afford it. We're going to take on more mortgage than we've ever had in our life. There's no way we should have a house like this. And we started praying, God, would you provide? And, and God provided. God provided a house within a mile from the church, which doesn't make sense. And God provided a family that cared for us. They weren't believers. They weren't Christians. But they wanted us to buy their house. And he provided those things. And I'm not saying God always gives you things because you give. That's not the direction I'm going. But I think when God is poking in that area of your life on that need and saying, I want you to let it go, it's because there's something else he wants to do in your life. He wants to show you that when you trust him, he's going to direct your path. Now, it's not the path that we expect. It's, it doesn't work out the way that we expect. But he's saying to us, I want to meet those needs. But before I meet those needs, I need you to trust my heart for you. I need you to know me. And in knowing me, that is the greatest need I can satisfy. See, we need to know the Father. We need to get some perspective. But we also need to get some humility because the challenge that happened in the Israelites' life is once all these good things started coming and as you start reading the story through Exodus into Deuteronomy, what happened is just like us, instead of letting those things go, the Israelites held on to them. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter eight that when they started holding on to them, they said to themselves, my strength, my power, my ability has produced these things. They totally forgot what God did for them in providing in the wilderness. They totally forgot how God had brought them to a new opportunity and to a new place. And now that they had all things, they look at themselves and they said, see, I'm God. I've done this for myself. And God says, watch out. Watch out when you have more than you need that it doesn't replace your need for me. That's what happens. So often, the most dangerous thing, the most dangerous place we can be is to wake up and not have to say, God, give me this day my daily bread. And see, God will lead us to that place of humility either through need or generosity. God leads us to that place of dependency, and you gotta hear me on this, whether through direct need or on the other side through direct generosity. That God wants us giving to an extent that it forces us to change the way that we spend. That's really what tithing is about. Tithing is not that the church needs your money. It's not that God needs your money, but God knows where your heart is, that's where you invest things. And if God is gonna be at the center of your heart, you've gotta take those things you treasure and you've gotta set them over to God. You say, God, I don't know what you want me to give, but I know you want me to give in a way that I'm dependent on you. And see, for each one of us, I think that looks different. That doesn't mean you give everything to the church. You give everything to wherever God tells you to give. And you trust him with it. Because that's the idea of give us this day our daily bread. God, I wanna be in a place, whether it's in my finances and my family, where I'm dependent upon you to meet my needs. Are you with me? We need to get the Father. You know, we need to get a new perspective because our needs drive things. But we also need to humble ourselves. You know, I look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul understood what it was to have a lot and to have nothing. And there's this verse we often quote, you often hear it in sporting events. You know, they say, how did you do that? How did you win the game? I did all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yet Paul didn't apply that to his physical abilities. Rather, he applied that to his needs. 
He applied that not to the area of his prowess, his ability, his success, but rather he applied that verse to the area of his brokenness, his weakness. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, we find these words. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Notice how he's describing this. I'm facing abundance. Abundance is a temptation. Some of us can't handle it. You know, we want that abundance. We want that, but sometimes he's saying, can we handle it? How did Paul handle abundance? He handled abundance in verse 13. I can do abundance through Christ who gives me strength. I can endure what is happening in my life right now through Christ who gives me strength. I need to know that God is my greatest need because that's what the Bible's about. It's not about us. And here's the good news. You're not the hero. We're not the center. And the more we realize that, the more our hearts become satisfied with, what, with who God is. And here's the final thing, and I'm gonna close with this. Hey, we need each other. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Who's your hour? Who's walking through your needs with you? Right now, if I asked, and if there is an area of greatest need, and I said, hey, who knows about it? Who would you say? You see, often God wants to meet our needs, and he wants to meet our needs through us. And people will say, you know, I don't need the church. And I say, well, how, who's your hour? When you say, give us this day our daily bread, who are you praying for? Whose needs are you lifting up? And then likewise, whose needs are others coming and, and, and meeting those needs for you? You know, Jesus was known as a, a man who associated with sinners and tax collectors. He, he had this reputation because those were the people he was with. And he said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I didn't come to call the healthy. I came to call the needy. I came to call those that, that know they need God and know that they're broken. See, Jesus gathered those sinful people, those broken people, and you know what he did? He ate with them. He spent time with them. Because when you spent time with someone around the table in the first century, it says, I identify with you. I love you. I care for you. And all the righteous people thought, Jesus, those aren't the people you should care for. Those are the people that God doesn't care for. And so why did Jesus walk in that manner? I think it's a prefigures the cross. You see, on the cross, he didn't just simply associate with us around bread. He associated with us around our greatest need, which is our sin, our brokenness. Jesus knew on the cross he would take upon us that deepest need, which is our separation from God, and he would satisfy us by being the bread of life. See, when we're praying for daily bread, we're not just praying for a physical reality. That physical need points to a deeper spiritual need. And that deeper spiritual need is that through Jesus, we need to know the Father. We need to know his goodness. We need to change our perspective. And then we need to have the relationships with each other to the degree that we can enter into those needs and begin to meet those needs as God has met those needs for us. You see that? This isn't just a prayer that we pray. This is a picture of a life that God has called us to live. It's a life of flourishing. Because that's what the Sermon on the Mount and this prayer is about.
It's a picture of life in the kingdom, life with the Father, and how that changes life with us. You with me? Hey, I don't know where you are, and I imagine many of you have needs, and so I hope in this time that we haven't diminished any of those needs, but instead I wanna bring those needs to the Father right now. So can we pray together and ask the Father? And whatever those needs are, Lord, I wanna ask, as we've gone through this, and I know we didn't have a lot of time, but as we talk about needs, that can stir a lot of fear, anxiety, emotion. And so I wanna ask, Father, um, Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to us Spirit, you say that um, you've come to remind us of the things Jesus has taught, which I think means to make it real to us. So I wanna ask, Father, in Jesus' name, that in those areas of needs and brokenness and fears, will you make your provision real? Would we come to you saying, God, this is what I need? And even if we lead that way, Lord, would you, in your patience with us, take us to a place of humility to say, God, I know you're my Father, And I know I can only come to you through Jesus. So I don't earn this moment right now. But I'm coming to you because I know you are the bread of life. And until I'm satisfied in you, nothing's gonna satisfy me. So Father, I pray for anyone here today that doesn't know the Father. Would they simply cry out and say, Father, would you accept me on the basis of Jesus and Jesus Christ alone? I come with no other saviors in my hand, no other righteousness I hold, only the righteousness of Christ. Forgive me. And adopt me as a child of God. And Father, for us who have been adopted for a long time and we've lived in your house, we've enjoyed your good gifts. Lord, would we we let go of the things that have just become too important and say, Father, would you take control? Would they be the manna in our life that we just trust, God, you're giving us just enough that we're always depending on you. We need you not just each day. We need you each hour. So Father, help us this week to walk and that dependency we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we respond and worship.